At the beginning of the 5th century, in a bustling North African town, Augustine preaches a sermon on the love of God. And it's reputed to have said at some point, love God and do as you please. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But the essence of what I want to say today is that amidst all the noise and the bustle and the activity, the clamor that's going on in our lives, it's important sometimes to just press the pause button and take a moment to reflect and to reaffirm for ourselves what is foundational, what is important, what is at the heart of who we are. And it's often very simple. And when Augustine said that, love God and do what you like, what he was trying to encapsulate for them was that the core of everything that we are is this, is this understanding of what love is. Now, John writes to the churches that are scattered. In Revelation 2 and 3, we have the letters to the churches. And the first letter in, in Revelation 2 is to the church at Ephesus. And he speaks in glowing terms of them, but he says, But this is what I have against you, that you have left your first love. That's Revelation 2 verse 4. What God is saying to them is that the fire has gone out to a large extent. The love has, has diminished. It's, it's grown cold. Um, and later on in those letters to the Laodicean church, he says, I wish you were either hot or cold, not lukewarm. You have left your first love, is what he says to the Ephesians. And yet when Paul wrote to them earlier on, he said, and talking about that Christ would live in their hearts through faith, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. This is Ephesians 3, verse 17, 18, and 19. And that they may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, and to be filled with the fullness of God. It's this, Paul is, is falling over the hyperbole almost of saying, what is the love of Christ? What is what... What is the love of God that is in us? And he ends the first uh, spread of the letter to the Ephesians with this outpouring of the grandeur and the extent uh, of God's love, how extravagant it is. And yet the admonition when John is writing to the churches that God says to the Ephesians, you've left your first love. So it's is important for us every now and again to just hit the pause button and to reset in terms of the things that are actually important. And in Luke chapter 10, we know that passage well where um, a lawyer, a man well versed in the Mosaic law, a teacher probably of the Mosaic law, comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What brings life? And then Jesus said, well, how do you answer? This is Luke 10, verse 25 onwards. And he says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your strength and your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, bingo, great stuff. Do that and you will live. He doesn't talk about eternal life. He, he, he says, do this and you will live. This, will, this is what is the core. This is what, what is at the heart of being alive is loving God and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And then he goes on to justify himself and asks about who is his neighbor. But it's important for us to see that Jesus says, that's it, you've got it right, do that. That's the important thing. And then as you go and read how John was talking in uh, John chapter 13 and writing about what Jesus was saying, um, John 13, it says this, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, so love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. And then he reiterates it, if you have love for one another. There's, the, there's the, the crux of what he's saying to them. This is the commandment. I'm giving a new commandment. Love one another. Because people will see that and know that this is the core, this is the heart of what we're about. Love one another. He, he reaffirms it. And then just a little while later, um, in the time when he's just the last uh, uh, words that he's speaking to them over the over the time of the the Last Supper, the farewell discourse, it's called. Um, in chapter fifteen, he's spoken about himself being the true vine, and then he comes in verse twelve to say this again: "This is my commandment, that you love one another." And then he adds this: "As I have loved you." And we know from Philippians two and various other passages how sacrificial, how generous his love is, and what Paul writes to the Ephesian church that we read just now from chapter 3. Then he goes on in verse 13 to say, this is John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this that he lays his life down for his friends. You give yourself up, you serve those around you. This is the kind of love that Jesus is saying is at the heart of what it means to be like him, to follow him. Now, if you go further into the life of the church and we come to Paul, Paul writes to the Corinthians and there's two letters that we have that he wrote to them and there's other stuff that he wrote to them and he visited them on occasion. And there's that famous passage that is uh, quoted by all and sundry, chapter 13 of the first letter that we have. And it says, if I have the capacity to speak eloquently, with tongues of men and angels, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I can see what's going on and what's coming, if I have all faith, I can do the most remarkable things, but I do not have love, then I'm nothing. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he reminds them about all the stuff that he's writing to them that is important as part of what we are as the family of God. He says, but if you do anything without love, you might as well scratch it out. You might as well not even bother, because to do anything without love is meaningless. And he says, if you want to know what love is, here's my quick sort of thumbnail sketch of what it is. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't get jealous. It doesn't seek its own. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It, it, it's all those kind of things that he then goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 to say to them, Here's a thumbnail sketch of what it looks like to love those around you. And as we've read from Ephesians 3, he, he says the, the extravagance of the love that we have received from God is just overwhelming. Then I want to go also to John, 1 John chapter 4. It's a remarkable passage and John writing these letters 
uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, probably later on in his life, he writes to a church that is um, known what it is to be persecuted and to, and to struggle. And um, he says in chapter 4, 1 John 4, and I'm going to read from the New International. It's from verse 7 through till the end, and I'm going to just highlight some of it. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Then he goes on, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Then he goes on in verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we, also, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Further on in verse 16, God is love. It's the most bold, powerful statement. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And then he concludes the chapter, the, the passage by saying, we love because he first loved us. We don't have the capacity to love like this. The love that we have, um, we have a measure of love, but we don't have the capacity to love in the way that Jesus did unless he lives in us and he lives through us and his spirit motivates and energizes and fills us with the power and capacity to do so. We love because he first loved us. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So when Augustine stood up that day and he said to his congregation, love God and do what you like, he wasn't calling for um, um, a wild, um, unrestrained kind of thing. Because we have a template, we have uh, an understanding of what it means to love, because we have to love in the same way Jesus loved. And if you have any doubts or concerns about what that looks like, spend some time, go and read the Gospels again. Look at how Jesus interacts with people. Look what he does. Go back and read Philippians 2. Because we need to learn again, I think, to reset everything in the context of whether we are loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So when Augustine says, love God and do what you like, we, we reflect on what that means in terms of loving our spouse or loving our children or our family. We reflect on it and we wonder what that might mean when we learn to love our actual neighbors, the people who live around us, or our communities. Or as Luke 6 tells us, Jesus says, love your enemies. We don't often spend too much time thinking about that. But let's spend a moment or two to pause, reflect, and reset and then love God and do whatever you like.